How do you know if you really love somebody? Whether you're single or whether you've been in a relationship for some time, that's a question that commonly comes up. Today we're exploring that question. How do you really know if you love somebody? If you'd like to find out more about this podcast, head over to therelationshipmadepodcast.com. And if you'd like to find out more about how you can improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com and press subscribe right now. Welcome to today's podcast. And today we're exploring that question, how do I know if I really love somebody? Yeah, it's a question that I am asked quite frequently um, in uh, sessions with clients who who just embarked on a new relationship, so it's a relatively fresh relationship, uh, and they often wonder, is this the right person for me? Do I really want this person in my life long term? And then the question that always comes up is this question, do I love them enough to, to want to stay in the relationship? So yeah, what's your, what's your sense of that, Tom? What do you, what, how would you answer that question? Well, I mean, I think even before we get into that as well, it's, it's thinking about how important that can be for some people. I mean, if you're mm. starting a relationship, mm. and certainly, you know, I, I know in the past, it's you may feel you love somebody and you think, you know, if I say this too soon, am I going to get rejected? Mm. Is it going to strengthen a relationship? Mm. You know, how soon do you say it? Do you say it after, you know, if you feel you love somebody in a few days? I mean, for most people, that's going to be too soon. Yeah. Um, but how long do you wait? And then it's the other thing which is you know if you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship for years you know do you sometimes question whether you still love them and when I'm saying love them again Mm. that comes into Mm. what do we mean by love and that's that's the interesting question really here and I think that's the sort of million dollar question Um, I've been uh, looking at a lot of literature around the uh, notion of love and I haven't as, as yet found one book that kind of comes up with the perfect definition of what love actually is, um, because people have different understandings, and they sort of they are um, their examinations of love in the context of biological behavior. So you know, it's being primed to be loved. There are sociological studies, there are psychological studies, but there are all sorts of different understandings of what it actually is. So this is the this is the first challenge that we have here in terms of love and what we're talking about yeah and we talked in an early podcast about the different types of love yeah. there's several different words for love based on i think the greek yeah, ancient greeks, greeks, ancient greeks. Yeah. and i think that's still i think their definitions of love are still one of the best i've come across yeah and and you know today when we think about marriage it tends to be thinking more based for most people on love mm. depending where mm. you know culturally mm. that can vary mm. but certainly a few hundred years ago it wasn't so much based on romantic love as maybe more functionality. Absolutely. I mean, I think our notions of love have changed very dramatically in the 19th century with different kind of understandings of what it is. So it's not just about sort of two people coming together and forming a household just for the sake of it, uh, just because, you know, they procreate, they have children, they carry on with life on the planet. So it's a lot more complex than that, isn't it? And, And it is getting more and more complex. And our expectations of love um, are very complex. Um, what we want from our partner is uh, is a lot, isn't it, these days? They've got to be everything to us. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually starting right now to think about what does love mean to you in a romantic way? And even taking time after you listen to this podcast and, and write out just what what do you expect from romantic love? What If you're with a partner, mm. you know, for you, what lets you have that feeling that you love them or that you're loved? Mm. And exploring that and beginning to think about as well, are these expectations realistic? Yeah. Where do these expectations come from? Mm. You know, because again, we're swamped with all of these sort of illusions of love from Hollywood movies, from mm. books where, you know, we see these dramatic mm. proclamations of love. And mm. uh, in reality, you know, most of us, we won't have experiences that quite match what we're going to see in a movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, and there's sort of two, for me, there's sort of two sides to love. There's sort of love as attachment, love as... Uh, forming a secure bond with another person who provides safety, stability, care, nourishment, all of this. That's one side, one aspect of love. Um, the other side is the sort of more, the kind of side that you're talking about uh, that is portrayed in Hollywood movies, the passionate side, the excitement, the sort of uh, hormones that flush through your system when you see the person who you, um, you, who you, who you're attracted to. Uh, which is another part, another dimension of love. I think both are kind of important. Yeah. I, but they're both quite separate as well. Yeah, I mean, I think also the, the grand gestures. So it's not just yeah. the passionate side for movies, but it's yeah. the grand gestures we yeah. see. Yeah. So these sorts of things, someone travelling from another, like, you know, the other side of the world on a on a paddling boat or something, you know, just so, so mm. these extreme sort of gestures, which... You know, in reality, you know, give us this maybe illusion that someone who loves us will do these these things that maybe inhuman feats mm. to declare their love, which, yeah. you know, maybe it doesn't take that in reality. Yeah. And will we do that for someone else? Do we feel we need to do that to mm. show that we love somebody because we've seen these movies? Yeah, it's the quest, isn't it? It's the sort yeah. of idea of the journey and the quest and, you know, fighting for the other person. Yeah. That, that's sort of very often the association with love as well. Yeah, and also how the far, other... Yeah. So, sorry, sorry. The, the how far would you go for me question, yeah? Yeah, and, and also the in, in movies as well where a lot of the time the love always seems that you're really happy, you're really, you know, there may be a big challenge at one point, but when you overcome that you have eternal bliss yes which you know again if you've been in a relationship for some time you know and we've so used to these movies and books saying you know living happily ever after Mm -hmm. as the old fairy tale goes Mm -hmm. you know in reality you know we're always going to have conflict and struggle at certain points in a relationship and it's how we get through that but even when we get through that there will be other conflicts mm, absolutely yeah and if we build our idea of love as being just being happy all the time just being kind of in bliss mm. then we may think you know that may cause us to question do we really have love in our relationship do we really love them yeah and that's often then the question uh, particularly sort of in the early stages of a relationship that that sort of uh, confounds or con- confuses a lot of people because because they notice that they're not always uh, 100% happy with their partner and therefore question the idea of, of loving enough. Am I loving the other person enough or am I, am I being loved enough? Um, and yes, I mean, in the early stages, we, we did another podcast on, on sort of stages of romantic relationships. Yes, you're more likely to be in the flush of, um, in the grip of your hormones, so to speak, uh, being completely overwhelmed by the other person, wanting to be with them all the time, wanting to spend all your time with the other person. So 
So, um, so you're more likely to have that kind of desire all of the time, and therefore it, it can be quite shocking or jolting when there is a, a rupture in the relationship and a bit of conflict, uh, an argument, a disagreement about something. Um, that's, that then makes uh, quite a lot of people wonder, well, do, do we really love each other if we experience that in the relationship, if there's conflict in the relationship? Um, and yes, of course, there's always going to be conflict, isn't there? It's impossible not to have conflict. Uh, and and actually, uh, arguably, if you can kind of manage that conflict quite well in the early stages of the relationship, that's a pretty good indication that you're going to have a loving relationship that's actually lasting. Uh, you know, that's not just a sort of temporary, uh, short-term affair of lust. <laughs> no, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and even if you don't manage it so well early on, you can learn to manage it. But you have to learn how to do it. So we're not taught at school basic skills like how to manage conflicts in relationships. Mm-hmm. We're not told told how, you know, what a loving relationship is. We're not we're not taught these things. We have to try and figure it out and mm-hmm think that there is some universal answer but but there isn't so there is no kind of right there is no wrong in terms of what we're kind of think might love be it's Mm. different for different people Mm. which is why it's been written about for years in all types of books whether in philosophy or Mm. in literature Mm -hmm. you know the the notion of love changes uh, a lot over time and is different for different people Mm. but I think one of the keys is Mm. In a relationship, over time, love does change, like you said. And as we spoke about in an sure. earlier podcast, it moves mm. from that sort of honeymoon phase where we have oxytocin or the different chemicals flowing through our system that, mm. that give us that illusion of kind of feelings of connection and bonding, mm. which, you know, has that element of, you know, maybe then leading to that feeling that we do love somebody, mm. which is before we, we form that kind of, that other type of bond, which mm. is, after the honeymoon period mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know it settles into that more long-term relationship yeah it's a process isn't it so there isn't a i don't think there's a single point uh, in the relationship where you can say well now i know i'm going to love this person i think it's a it's something that kind of flows like a river it, it carries you on uh, and it will fluctuate you know sometimes there'll be more of a sense of being drawn to the other other times you will step back a little bit but there is something here. There's still, back to this question of how do you know that you love someone, there's got to be, I think when you um, really uh, love someone, you make that step of commitment. We've talked about a podcast as well about commitment. You say yes to this other person. And there is a desire to really um, get to know the other per- the other person, to um, have some curiosity, and that curiosity is ongoing. Um, so really a, a desire to understand what's going on with the other person, to be really deeply interested in the other person. I think that would be one uh, one of the definitions that I would offer about love, to, to be really deeply interested, to want to get to know the other person, to be open to them is a, a really important aspect of, of love. And that sort of also answers the question sometimes maybe for couples who have been in long-term relationships where they start to question whether they still love each other and that would be my that would be sort of one of the questions I might explore with them where where are you with this how much do you still want to connect with your partner how open are you still to your partner are you still willing to understand what's happening with them on the other side why they respond in a particular way all of this I would consider to be uh, forms of love Yeah, and I think that brings into the thing that real love requires work. 
So it doesn't just happen. Well, initially it can happen, mm. yeah. but we have experience. Yeah. But over time, really deep love requires work and commitment. Yeah. And say, if there are two things to take away, if you're in a long-term relationship, is both parties need to keep working at the relationship. Mm. You need to have that commitment and that mm. ongoing consideration of each other's needs, wants and desires and exploring that, mm. helping the other person to feel safe when they're feeling challenged, when they're feeling kind of mm. uh, unsafe in, in different areas of their life, mm. helping to provide that sort of secure base that they know that they, they can turn to us when they need to mm. um, and also being willing to communicate, working at communication. Things like regularly setting date nights, however long you've been with the other person. Mm. These things are important. Mm. You know, we might think, well, we'll just go out when we have time, but mm. time doesn't always happen. Mm. You have to make time. So it's making that time, making that commitment. It's an active process, loving, isn't it? It's active rather than passive. So it's not something that just happens to you. So you don't just sit back and say, well, I'm loving or I'm being loved. You're actually doing something, I think. You're you're demonstrating, you're interacting, you're connecting with another person. So it is, it's not something that just is just happening to you. If you have that expectation, you're going to get into trouble, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in reality, the word love sounds like a noun, like mm. a static thing, mm. but it's actually a process that sometimes gets mm. frozen artificially. Mm. So when we think, do I love this person? Mm. I think more, the, you know, we can question thinking about what's working, what isn't working in a relationship, but also thinking continually in a relationship, how can I do this process of loving? Yeah. Or how can we do this process of loving together? Not think of it as love is like a wrapped up in a box that you give somebody it's a continual process and that process happens because partly of the work that you put into it yeah and it's also particularly sort of when you are asking yourself in the early stages of the relationship so when you know sometimes when when I'm being asked well what do you think do I love this person I just don't know whether I love them then I would sort of counter uh, that question with a question of do you want to love them because it's a it's a choice I think as well it's a you know, you 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 kind of choosing to engage with the other person. You're choosing to be open to the, the other person to find them desirable as well. It's entirely a choice. So it's not something that, as you say, is given to you as a gift, so to speak. Um, here you go. Now you know that there is love. Yeah, you're opting in to want to have that relationship with with another person. So. So when, you know, when you ask yourself, do I love this person, then maybe the, the question should be reframed slightly to, do I want to love this other person? Do I want to engage with the other person in that way? Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. And I think also is, you know, when you come to that initial thought or initial expression of love, that's really a time of ultimate ultimate vulnerability yeah. is where you're really showing that authentic side of you you're opening mm. yourself up to potential pain mm. so at that point and you know very early on obviously there's often that question when do I say I love them and you know for most people after a few days it's going to be too soon but mm -hmm. if you leave it eight years that's probably leaving it too long mm. um, but you know thinking when we have that struggle do I love this person 
thinking, does this vulnerability come from within me, from my past? Do mm-hmm. I find it difficult to love somebody or feel I can, can love somebody mm-hmm. because I've been hurt in the past mm-hmm. and I'm afraid of making that commitment through those three words that mean so much mm-hmm. and open you up to potential rejection? Absolutely, yeah, because it's a fear. I mean, saying I love you uh, is a fear often for many people. It's this sort of fear of intimacy, isn't it? This fear of really getting too close because if I get too close, I might get hurt. Absolutely. It always comes with a lot of vulnerability, this whole arena of uh, of love and expressing love to another person. You, you, you kind of, there's a lot of fear of rejection, isn't there, a lot of the time. And that's why people don't want to say it, because they fear that the other person might turn them down. Yeah, and then there's the flip side of the coin where we say that we love somebody too soon because Mm -hmm. what we really want to hear is that they love you. Mm -hmm. So we express love because we're desperate to be loved because Mm -hmm. we have maybe an anxious Mm -hmm. attachment style. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's really questioning, do I tend to say that I love somebody because I want to get this back? Mm -hmm. And really, we have to be truly loving. We have to be... Um, have the courage to say we love somebody when we have no expectation of receiving it back, which can be really challenging. Mm. But ultimately, you know, to really find love, to really kind of have what we want back, it's learned to find that courage to express this without without expecting to get something back. Mm. You know, of course, it's lovely when we do. And hopefully, hopefully most of the time when we have, when we say that, mm. that we'll have a positive response. Mm. But at the same time, being able to say that authentically, uh, where we don't have, act, we're not saying it just because we want something to be given back to us. Yeah, although it's never unconditional, is it? That's another interesting question. Um, this idea of, is love unconditional? Maybe parental love. Maybe that's the only love where you generally don't have an expectation to be loved back by your child. But arguably, some people would say that even parental love is not unconditional. Certainly romantic love, I think, is always conditional to some extent, isn't it? To some extent, but I think it it depends to some level. It's like recently I was reading about, um, in, in, in the paper, about somebody who was decided just to be kind to to random strangers every day Mm -hmm. for a year Mm -hmm. with no expectation of having a thank you. And that's the key is that we tend to find in free studies it shows that actually Mm -hmm. giving with no expectation to receiving it is a real key to actually improving how we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, that's not in a a relationship, a romantic Mm -hmm. relationship. That's not something that's different. Mm. Yeah, we do have needs and to, for a loving relationship, we need to have that two way thing going there. Mm. Um, there are also times where purely saying something for the sake of saying it without expectation of giving back can be very rewarding. But if that happens all the time, then that, that is a problem. Mm. I think we do need to, you know, there does need to be balance in that relationship. You know, it's it's you know we both have we both have to give we both have to receive mm. and if that if that becomes uneven in a relationship, uh, I think that can be very destructive and it's something that needs to be explored. Well, absolutely. I'm particularly again if we if we think in turn in attachment styles, there's this reciprocal nature of attachment. So you both are each other's secure base in the relationship. So you both have to pro- <clears throat> uh, provide the. The caring, the loving, the nurturing, as well as being at the receiving end of it from your partner. So it kind of goes both ways. I agree. It's really important. Yeah. But I think always as well in a relationship is sometimes, maybe even every day, 
giving a compliment or giving a gift or just saying something lovely to loving to the other person with no expectation of getting something back mm. can be a really really great process mm. Mm. Yeah, I and, mean, that's nice because yeah. it's kind of getting away from this endless kind of balance sheet idea, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's often what plays out uh, in relationships like, well, you have, I've said it, or you haven't said it often enough, so I'm going to stop saying it, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and I see this happens a lot in relationships mm-hmm. where I feel, oh, I'm giving too much, I'm not receiving, or I'm, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, this may come from our own reflection on our past. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and sometimes someone else looking in sees that maybe it doesn't look as imbalanced, but we experience that. So it may be something that, that is to do with us. But then there are relationships that are very one-sided. And, you know, in a loving long-term relationship, as we spoke about earlier, Mm. we both need to be prepared to put the work in. Mm. We need to think about each other, helping to fill each other's needs. Mm. To be open to each other. And it's back to that sort of commitment to saying yes to the relationship. I really want to engage with you, the other person. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and one other thought I think as well is... I think the whole notion of continually asking that question, do I love this person, itself is part of a challenge. Is you know, sometimes we have this question, do I really love them? Do I, you know, and, and sometimes it's it's that internal voice mm. that stops us because mm. the more we have this internal dialogue going in, yeah. uh, the more it takes us away from being with that person. Because to really experience the joy of being with somebody, to really experience loving, we need to be present with that person. And if we have that internal voice thinking, well, yeah, I'm having a good time, but do I really love them? That itself takes us out of being able to love. Where does that voice come from? I think it often, I think it's quite interesting, because I think it often also um, occurs with people who have um, the driver of must-try-harder or perfectionists. So perfectionists who want to have everything right and want to have all the boxes neatly sort of tied up, they often ask themselves that question, you know, is it is it is this the way, is this the, the best way possible? Is this the best way possible that I can love the other person? Am I doing this right? So there's always this sort of internal criticism, isn't there? It's about not doing it enough or not being loved enough. So I think frequently, I, I don't know, I, mean, I haven't really kind of thought about this before, but I think frequently there is a sort of connection here between perfectionism and wondering about uh, loving too much, or uh, so not loving enough. Yeah, and maybe an avoidment attachment style as well, yeah, where totally. that voice becomes the thing to make us think, well, maybe maybe they don't love me, maybe they're not the one, because we're, you know, at some level, when we get too intimate, we try to push away we try to create these boundaries so that could could also be a thing yeah because and, and an avoided attachment style often goes hand in hand with perfectionism because there is a desire to uh to have there is a, a striving towards an ideal always um and somebody who has got an avoided attachment style has an idealized view of a partner basically a partner who's never going to be there because they're idealized um and and they have this idea of this is the perfect relationship. And if the relationship isn't perfect, then they step away from it. Yeah, absolutely. So being aware of this <clears throat> internal dialogue, being aware of this inner voice that sometimes gets in the way of times that you know you could actually be really enjoying that time. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that 
little voice in your head. And also realising those thoughts, that internal dialogue is not you. And that might sound strange, mm -hmm. but just realising those are, those are kind of thoughts, those are kind of things we've learned from the past, the messages that we picked up from maybe our own childhood or other things that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And realising and putting the little phrase in front of that thought, mm -hmm. just saying, I'm having the thought that maybe I don't love them, mm -hmm. can help you detach from it a little bit and just realise that thought is like, it's like an old record playing or an old kind of piece of music that's come onto the, the radio uh, and you know that music can change but it's like that that old dialogue that may interfere with your ability to be present now and you can learn to be more present mm -hmm. and the first step is realizing that internal voice is just a voice in your mind it's just that it's just a dialogue it's just a thought like clouds in the sky mm -hmm. they can pass by Absolutely. So again, it's back to this point of choice, I think. It's about opting. You can choose to opt in. You can choose to love. Um, it's, a, it's an active process, absolutely. And you can, you can sort of discard the old narrative and choose a new one. That's always a possibility. Yeah, and we've made it sound pretty simple, but it's not necessary. It can take, it can take time. It can of take course. a lot of work. It might require individual therapy. Um, really exploration, self-exploration. Yeah. But the first stage is awareness. Yeah, yeah. always. Great. So, yeah, and I think we've, we've uh, said all we're going to say today. Yeah. So thanks, thanks for listening. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Take good care. Yeah, please press subscribe and head over to the relationshipmazepodcast.com for more notes about the show or the relationshipmaze.com for our online course. Speak with you next week. Bye. Bye.